It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts Come on, quit stalling! Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David I'm here with my buddy Chris. Chris, it seems like I just saw you yesterday. Maybe it's because you did. <laughs> I think it was technically. How, how you I think it was technically today, man. I'm good. I uh, I got up at uh, seven o'clock this morning and made the three hour drive down and made it in time uh, for church. And you're uh, um, gonna have a, a fun podcast now. Uh, Chris and I went to see Kiss last night in uh, in Memphis at the FedEx Forum, and uh, we'll get into that in just a second. I do want to ask you to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and like our. Instagram page, Digital Kill the Radio Star Podcast, and subscribe to us on whatever format you choose to uh, listen to podcasts. And uh, if you could uh, rate us and review us on iTunes or on Podchaser or even on Facebook, and um, we will, uh, I'll get a little something out to you to thank you. We picked up another one of those this week, so I uh, appreciate that. So we're just going to cut to the chase here and bring our guest on. By now, you should know him. It's uh, Steve Wright from the uh, Potter Than Hell podcast. Chris and I have been on uh, their podcast, did a Metallica episode, and then those guys came on our podcast and did a uh, Halloween special. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, BC Brian Chapman from that podcast um, was on here doing a, uh, we did a Megadeth uh, list. And so Steve is kind of the ringleader of, uh, of that crew, and uh, we've gotten to know him over the years. And uh, he's, uh, more importantly, he's just become a good friend to us. And so, uh, uh, we value that, but his podcast is called Potter Than Hell, and so that's a play on, I'm sure, on Kiss. Kiss is hotter than hell, and so the topic of our uh, episode today is going to be Kiss, and so uh, Steve is one of the biggest Kiss fans I know of, and so I couldn't think of anybody better to have here, ha- have on our podcast, and kind of hold mine and Chris's hand a little bit through uh, uh, some Kiss uh, information, so... Without further ado, Mr. Steve Wright, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Man, we are good. So, like we said, uh, Chris and I attended a KISS at the uh, FedEx Forum in Memphis last night. And uh, Chris and I sat in the very last row at the top of the forum at the back. You could not have gotten further from the stage if you tried. And uh, 
even had a nice, it's the same building that the Memphis Grizzlies play in, had a nice uh, scoreboard uh, hanging down in front of us. So um, from mine and Chris's view, um, I could only see the bottom half of the screens. But uh, Chris, I don't know about you, but uh, it was uh, it was perilous getting, getting up and going to the bathroom from where we were. Yeah, those were the, uh, I mean, those were the worst seats I've ever had for a show, you know, for a big show like that. Um, I wasn't expecting that. You know, you, neither one of us, we weren't the ones that bought the tickets. Um, guy that got them, it, it was, it was just a mistake. He, he didn't mean to, but it was shocking when I walked up there. It's like, you're gotta be kidding me. Absolute back row. And then to make matters even worse, which it got better, but I was, um, Let's just say if you've ever seen the video of, of uh, the Foo Fighters when they're, they're, not, they're on that airplane and one of the guys is squeezed in between two really large people, <laughs> I felt like that. Um, lady, uh person beside me was really sweet, but, man, it was going to be miserable. So, fortunately, we saw some spots over to the left of us and at least got up one row so we weren't dead last Yeah, and uh, had space. But, yeah, it was a hike, man, just going up and down to get a beer. It was. And, you know, there's no opener. And uh, the tickets say, you know, show starts at 730 or whatever. And so it's about 845, and they're not on the stage. And, and word starts circulating around that they aren't there. Um, where the area of the country where Chris and I lived the last week has just had a lot of flooding and tornadoes and uh, I actually drove through some of the flooding to get to Memphis. And so something happened to them in New Orleans. And um, uh, a friend of mine who was sitting in the club level, she sent me a text. She said, they're not here. And so I went to the bathroom and uh, was talking to a couple of guys in there. And they were like, we're hearing they're not even here. And I'm like, yeah, I am too. And this other guy goes, they're, they've landed at the airport. The airport to the, uh, to the forum's pretty good little hike. Um, and so I think they had a police escort. So they came on a little after nine and had, uh, uh, there's no way they could have sound checked, not them. Um, they just showed up and, uh, you gotta, you gotta appreciate that. That was very professional behavior just to get off a plane. And I guess they, I would think they probably put the makeup on in, in the car. Yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering. I'm wondering how they, I mean, I guess if you do it, you know, you've been doing it for so many years, it's second nature, but. You know, so maybe who knows? Maybe they can put it on in just a few minutes. So, um, Steve, you may quick. can you may can um, shed some light on this. Um, the first the first night that they had their their opening of the tour, I watched it on like somebody Facebook lived it, and they had like a, a performance artist painting kiss pictures to open the show, and he wasn't there last night. So, did did he get kicked off the tour, or was that just like a limited limited run? Yeah, I think it was just a limited deal. I think he was maybe on the first 10 shows, the ones they play like in Oregon and Washington and maybe a couple in California. But um, I don't think there was a whole lot of interest. I think it was maybe something they kind of wanted to throw against the wall and see if it would stick. And uh, I think it pretty much slid to the bottom of the floor. And um, Well, that would have to be a Paul Stanley idea, wouldn't it? Oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, he's uh, real big with his art, and I think uh, he's really trying to uh, – kind of cram that down everyone's throat these days i think well um chris we didn't get to talk much after the show because we both kind of went our separate ways um what was your overall impression of the show all right um what i would say on this and and uh steve already knows where i'm gonna go with this so he's not gonna be shot 
and we said it on this a thousand times, I, I don't consider myself a Kiss fan. It, it's not that I, I hate them. I don't. But it's just never, they've never really had the appeal to me. And I, and I, I mean, I, I get why people a little bit older, you know, they grew up with that. You know, they grew up in the time of the makeup and all that. And I got to believe that was the coolest thing ever. But for me, all I really had to go off of was just the music and not the image, you know, growing up. And the music to me is, I mean, it's okay. It's not some of the songs I do like. And the show, but so you're think, you may be thinking, well, don't sound like you're that into them. Why'd you go? Well, it was a bucket list. It's one of the, you know, most famous rock bands of all time. And I wanted to go see a rock show. It's very rare these days that you can go see. I know a lot of people hate arena shows, and I fall into that category. But, you know, if it is going to be an arena show, I want the big pyro, the fire, I want loud booms, I want all of that. And that's what that was. That was a true show. And that's why I wanted to go. I wanted to experience it. And I'm glad I did. Um, may not have been the best seats, but it was it was just what you would expect. A loud, explosive rock show. And like we said, Chris and I were as far back from that stage as you could be, and we could still feel the heat from the pyro. Um just uh just amazing uh that what all went into that show. Um I, I liked it. I really I really enjoyed it. I had a real good time. Um there was only, I think there was only one song I wasn't familiar with. I think it was called like Say Yeah off of like yep. Sonic Boom or something. Uh, yeah, from Sonic and, Boom. And I did notice we were the second night. They, they, I guess they dropped Hide Your Heart and went with Calling Dr. Love, which, you know, if you go to like setlist.fm or whatever, you, you, you can see the set list and then it breaks songs down by albums that were played. So they basically didn't play any, they well they didn't play anything from Revenge or from um, Hot in the Shade. So I don't think they play Chris. I mean, uh, Steve, you would be the better authority on this. I don't think they played a single Bruce Kulick song. Um, no, they did not. Because Heaven's on Fire, that's Mark St. John, right? That's Mark St. John, yeah. And um, Lick It Up is oh, uh, Lick It Up Vinny. is Vinny Vincent, yeah. Yeah, nothing from uh, Bruce Kulick era at all. It's surprising that they would ignore that because that that record was Revenge was I remember really big. You know, when the time when I was really really getting into music. You know, all the the hair bands and all that. You know, because I think that was a tour. My favorite band around that time, Faster Pussycat, and they were opening, I believe, on that tour. Yep. So I knew all about it. That that album was huge, and Kiss fans seemed to seemed to really love it, right, Steve? Yeah, I, that's a. Uh... That's kind of in the vein of uh, Creatures of the Night for like the diehard Kiss fans. They really enjoy the the heaviness of it because after the uh, kind of glam kind of stuff for Crazy Nights and the kind of middle of the road stuff that a lot of people thought Hot in the Shade was, they felt that Revenge was really the get back to like you know like hard rock type thing, like kind of like Creatures of the Night was like after Unmasked and Dynasty. Well, I also thought it was interesting they didn't play any any of those big ballads from that time frame, like forever or every time I look at you. I mean, those were both, those were both big hits. Absolutely. I would take, I would take either one of those over Beth any day and I, I could see why they play that song. But, um, and actually forever was, uh, my wedding song. Really? Well, yep. well, it, I remember you saying that and I, I agree. It, even if, even if you don't like the song better than Beth, I mean, even if you don't, they shouldn't do Beth. They just shouldn't. 
I mean, you got to have the guy that's saying it do it. You know, that you're starting to look like a, a cover band doing that. So I, I don't like that at all. I don't either. I, I do not enjoy that at all. And and they went on the Kiss Cruise. This is pretty much the set list they did on the Kiss Cruise, which the you know diehard fans like myself kind of felt ripped off because you know that's where you kind of go to get the the deeper tracks of the theater show where they'll play stuff that they they don't play and all that stuff from you know from the '80s albums and everything like that. But um, Beth, uh, not good because they they even they've been playing Shock Me a lot. I mean not on this tour, but. They've been playing Shock Me with Tommy doing it, and like the Ace fans, like absolutely go out of their minds when uh, Tommy Thayer plays that, plays and sings that song. Well, I get it. I mean, I know it was, it was a huge hit, and it's going to be for the people that are going. You know, let's face it, most most of the crowd is going to be made up of people like David and I. Yeah, just it's going to be, or at least a large number. So they're going to they're going to play to those people. They're going to play hits. That's what every single place does, every band does, and that's one of their biggest hit songs that they have. Um, if not their biggest, that's probably charted better than any of them, right? I would think. I, I don't know. I, I, if it wasn't, it was close. Yeah, so I get that they want to play it, but man, you don't have the guy who sang it there. Don't do it. You got other ballads forever. With, like you said, forever. That was a huge hit. Go with that one. You know, or a ballad that you know David's going to get to on a list when we get to the topic. So, Steve, how many times have you seen Kiss? Um, I've probably including the Kiss Cruises probably about twenty now. And and how many do you expect to see on this tour? At least two. We have tickets for the twenty ninth of March in Philadelphia, and uh, they're playing in Hershey, Pennsylvania, in I think August. I want to say, and I think uh, myself and uh, Chris Granza that has been on the on the show, and maybe BB maybe going to that one. I don't think BC is going to go to that one, but uh, just two so far. Is, and, is, you know, is BC officially going on tour with Lizzie Borden? He's going to be like a guy that follows the Grateful Dead, I think. He's going to be just <laughs> uh, get a little caravan and, and go to all the shows. He's going to bootleg all the shows. He's going to go on tour with them and sell all the bootlegs and everything. He's going to be is like... He, is he really doing this or are you making a joke? I'm, I'm no, making just, the joke. <laughs> just I was going to say, man, has he gone that crazy? Um, well, it's not a far trip. No, it's so kind of, really that is that really one of his favorite bands then? Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's been insane for Lizzie Borden uh since we became friends. Uh I've I mean I've known I've known B C since grade school, but I didn't really become friends with him until like maybe the, the late eighties and um and ever that was one of our main uh friendship points when he knew that I liked the, the music and and I knew what he liked and we just kinda got talking one day and then we were throwing bands out there and we both kind of like, like Lizzie board and we were like, Oh my God. Like, and that was, that was his favorite, like of all time. So well, it's kind of like they all well, joke I, with a uh, Sonny Pooney that Jeff Scott Soto has a, a protection order against Sonny. Uh, yep. and, uh, I think, uh, Lizzie Borden may need to be in that, um, in that, in that same vein with BC, uh, man. Uh, well getting back to kiss. All right. So, Real quick, because Steve, you said that you're going to kind of explain your first impression of Kiss uh, with one of your songs. I'll I'll tell you mine. Um, it was when Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits came out. So, so I would have been maybe 12, 11 or 12 years old, I guess. And 
Yeah, I knew it was kind of like, obviously, it's kind of like a greatest hits thing. So for the longest time, if it was not on smashes, thrashes, and hits, I didn't think it was a it was a, a good Kiss song. And it's just that whole thing of like imprinting. Um, and then uh, I remember uh, hearing Crazy Crazy Nights. I mean, hearing the song Crazy Nights off the album. Um, and I was like, this is really good. It's re-, you know, it had that same feel. It's like Poison and Def Leppard and stuff. And so... Uh, Anyway, um, I remember buying Hot in the Shade and uh, Revenge, and uh, like you know, I liked it, and I had the double platinum album. Um, I had that, and so that you know, just kind of casual, you know, listening to Kiss, and then I went to see them twice on the reunion tour because uh, two two of my friends that went with me and Chris last night, they're really big Kiss fans, and so every Kiss concert I've been to, I've been to with them. But um, other than that, that's kind of my exposure until um got into this whole podcast thing and, and i've read that there are more podcasts dedicated to kiss than there are to any other band and so um from time to time i'll listen to, to some of them every now and then just because i find it fascinating to listen to people talk about things they're really passionate about you know if they're passionate about collecting stamps or whatever i, I can you know if you can hear the passion in their voice and listen to it and enjoy it and so um that's where i've kind of picked up on some of my uh, my kiss information um, over the years. What about you, Chris? I guess my first real exposure, you know, I, I'm like you, I saw the videos on MTV and I knew that stuff and knew who they were, but my first exposure to actually listening to any of their albums was um, back when I was taking guitar lessons. My um, guitar teacher now that I call a friend, David's met him. He, uh, he was a, you know, is a big Kiss fan, and so he suggested Alive, and I did buy the Alive cassette, and that was the only one I had. You know, until years later, buying Dynasty, um, and jeez, uh, uh, Steve, what's the one where they're all? Yeah, I've seen a picture of you with uh, with uh, BB standing at the sign for the, the album cover. Um, what album? I'm, trying to think is that dress to fans. kill yes oh yeah dress to kill yeah so i i you know i have i have those two but i'm still for the most part it's it's just hits i haven't heard most of their albums and that's why when I, you know we joked with this I, I told i told steve and we were texting back and forth i said that my list is probably going to be you know make him nauseous just because it's going to be mostly hits but it'd be the same, and I told him, I said, it'd be the same thing if we tried to get, you know, if he tried to get us, if we, if we wanted to do a top five songs, David, you and I have R.E.M., well, Steve ain't naming Catapult, I can tell you that. You know, he may have a tough time naming five songs, but, I, but if he does, I know they're going to be all hits. That's for sure. Well, so... Like I said, there's nobody better to, to have on to do this, and I've, I'm really excited about what we're about to do because I've I've wanted to do it for a long time and I've wanted to do it with Steve, but it just made sense for it to be the day after uh, Chris and I go see Kiss um, because it'd be fresh in our mind. And I've listened to a lot of Kiss the last two weeks, and uh, um, you know we had the experience last night of the show. So Steve, uh, since you're our guest, we're just gonna uh, throw it to you and let you start it off, and we're just gonna uh, we each picked five songs. 
that are we could think or consider our favorite songs by Kiss and just talk a little bit about them. And with Steve, he'll be able to give us a lot more background information and, and how it relates to him and his fandom. And so, uh, um, Steve, we'll just throw it to you and let you take it away. Okay. Uh, for everyone that knows uh, David and Chris out there, uh, I am maybe not significantly older than these guys, but I am older than these guys. And um, I first became a fan. I can't pinpoint the exact date, but it was September of 1976. Um, I was at my buddy's house after school and we were snooping in his brother's room and he had a record collection there and there was always music in my house. My parents had Elvis records and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of would listen to stuff here and there. And so we were snooping through his room and I pulled out Kiss Destroyer and I was like, whoa, what, what is this? And he goes, oh, it's a, you know, band my brother likes. And, uh, so I'm like, well, let's, let's put it on. So I put it on and it was, uh, side one, Detroit Rock City. You could hear the the keys jingle in the dishwater and you're like, I'm like, wow, there's like no music on this. What is, what's going on here? Then you can hear the car start and, uh, everyone that's heard, uh, Detroit rock city on destroyer knows, knows the whole spiel at the beginning of there. But then when the music kicked on, I was like, Oh my God, like this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And like that day changed me forever. And we got maybe halfway through the song and it was, it was kind of like a movie. Like you see, like the door flies open, like, what the hell are you guys doing? His brother came in and we we're like, holy crap. Like he's going to beat the crap out of us. And he saw me hold the album. He's like, he's like, Oh, he's like, do you like that? I'm like, Oh my God, it's great. And he goes, all right, cool. He goes, you know what? He goes, I'll make a copy of it for you. So he made a copy of it for me on cassette and, you know, here I thought I was going to get an ass kicking. And the first Kiss fan that I ever met was someone that was cool. And and that really made a big impression on me. And I wore that tape out until, um, you know, uh, like Christmas came up. And, and like right after that in October, Kiss was on the Paul Lind special. And uh, my mom made sure I know that that was on. And actually, to this day, my mom will still call me and tell me if she sees the Kiss is going to be on TV. So, like, my first pick has got to be Detroit Rock City. All right, so tell us a li- tell us a little bit about uh, that song and why uh, it's so special to most Kiss fans. I think for a lot of Kiss fans, like myself, it, it, it's probably the first song a lot of us ha- have heard. And um, there's a guy, I can't think of the guy's name, he wrote a book, it's called Shout It Out Loud, it's about the making of the Destroyer album. Excellent book, it goes into like massive detail, and it uh, it tells the story of these uh, this kid that was going to see kiss and got into a car accident got killed and you know the myth out there was that it was from a, a an actual thing that happened and in the book the guy goes into it this guy like did so much research and he could not find the exact story it was kind of uh like an urban legend kind of thing where there were parts of it that were true but there was no like that was not like the an actual thing but it was like based loosely on a couple of different things that went on but it's just a, it's a great song it's uh and actually that album was a big departure at the time from what kiss had been for the first three albums in kiss alive this came out right after kiss alive and a lot of kiss fans at the time when this came out absolutely hated this album because of the 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 different sound of it and there was a bunch of different elements on that album like uh, like the choir on Great Expectations and like Beth, uh, you know, myself, I absolutely hate that song. 
and and I've always hated that song. That was one that I always skipped. And uh, you know, when you're listening to records, you kind of if a song comes on that's crappy, you just kind of let it play. I will still get up and move the needle over that song. <laughs> well, so that was on Destroyer, right? Yes. All right. Do you like the remixed version of that that came out? It's not bad. It's not bad. They they fixed the. Uh, there was kind of a. Uh, a lyrical vocal screw up if you want, if you will, on um, the one part that says uh, going down down 95, and there's actually Route 95 does not go through Detroit, and they kind of fix it where it says doing 95. Um, there's little things in there like that. Um, I don't think the remix is bad. I have the both of them. I have the both of them on vinyl and CD, but uh, I will throw the new one on. I actually, after seeing the old cover with the Destroyer costumes on there that, that has been out forever, the uh, Resurrection, the, the redo of it, has the original painting of it with them in the Alive costumes, which is really, really cool. Um, Bob Ezrin did that, right? Yes. All right, and and so there's some people that absolutely hate him for that. For Between that and the music from The Elder, there are some people, uh, Mark Anthony Kay that is on uh, KISS FAQ and has been on our show, he absolutely hates Bob Ezrin just for those kind of things. When Ezrin did, uh, he does all Alice Cooper stuff, and I think he's done some Pink Floyd stuff, too. Right. So, and, so he's no he's no slouch. No, and actually, and he also produced Revenge, too. So uh, for those people that, that hated uh, The Sound of Destroyer and The Elder, at least they feel that he gave some kind of redemption on Revenge. Now, Chris, you had Detroit Rock City in your list, didn't you? Um, no, I, no. I did. Wait, hold on. No, I didn't. I had to double check. You were making me question myself, but no, I didn't have it. All right. Well, I, I didn't have it on on my list uh, either. But uh, that's what they opened up with last night, and uh, they opened up with a ton of pyro uh, with that song. Uh, Steve, in the past, they've opened with that and closed the main set with that too, haven't they? Yes, yeah, and even uh, when they kiss alive three, I believe it's like in the middle of the set. Yeah, so is that one of the songs you feel like they have to play every night? Yeah, that's one of the few songs that um, they have their staples that they've played throughout the years, and I think that would be one that, uh, for as much as I heard it and as much as it, it could be overplayed, I think that is one that I would be disappointed in if they didn't play. I would rather see them not play rock and roll all night and play Detroit Rock City. All right, Mr. How often, how often do they, well, before I pick yeah. nine, how often do they change their sets? I mean, do they, is there a lot of variation from tour to no. tour? No, there's uh, not. They're, they're, you know, um, you ever see the movie uh, Hunt for Red October when they, they say, uh, you know, the Russians, they, they don't take a dump without a plan? That's yeah. like Kiss. That's like Kiss. Uh, they're pretty, pretty regimented, and especially with a show like that where there's so many cues and pyro and stuff like that. It, it's it's kind of tough to change things around. You know that's a, and that's a good point. You know, so, like I'll give them that. You know, like Poison, they don't have an excuse. You know, other than they're just lazy, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're right with all the pyro. But um, you know, my my first my first pick uh, that I that I chose is uh, with the album, like I said, that I first knew. Going off of uh, this is where I first heard the song was off of Alive, and um, I'm going with Strutter. Um, that's one that I just. I, You'll, you'll notice a common common trend on every one of these songs. I don't have a whole lot of stories to say about it. I don't know much about them. I just know that I like the songs, and that's one that I've always liked. And I think that's I think that's an acceptable pick for Kiss fans. I feel like anyway, right, Steve? I mean, it's oh, absolutely. Known, but 
Okay. Absolutely. Um, and actually, that is the one song I think that I'm extremely disappointed that is not on their set list for their farewell tour. It's their very first song on their very first album, and they're not playing it. I, I just that part I don't get. And, and it's such a great song. It is, and that actually that's a crossover song that you and I have. That's on my list also. And um, the the first Kiss album is the first Kiss album that I ever owned that wasn't that copy of Destroyer. I got that for I think Christmas or my birthday that next year, and and I wore that out. I think I went through three cassettes of that, and I I finally bought the vinyl. Like like years later. So so before we go further to that, this is a, a nice segue, uh, segue to this, where you're talking about how you wore it out and you listen to it so much. I've always wondered, and uh, at least with you, I mean, I know I know what the answer is, but I've always wondered people that love Kiss so much was it is it just the image that you fell in love with, and then the music and then the music came, or was it drop like you, with you, you know, just dropping that needle and hearing it, and that's what that's what where the, it hit you, you know, hit you in the gut, because I wonder. You know, is it just kids when they grew up, the, bait, the face paint, paint, all that? Like my, my ex-brother-in-law talks about, he remembers the first time he, he got hooked. He saw, he saw God of Thunder. He saw him doing something on TV as a kid. He was, I think he said he was six, maybe, and said he was hiding behind the couch. He was so terrified <laughs> of it, but fascinated by it. And he couldn't quit watching. He'd keep poking around. And so I wonder how much of it was just image that hooked these kids in, and how, or how much of it was just music. Meaning, I wonder if they would have ever had this kind of. Well, I think I know the answer. If they would have had the impact, had they not worn the face paint. Um, well, I, I can only speak for myself. I would say that um, just picking up that album, going, "Whoa, what is this?" I had to listen to it, and I think if the music was crappy, in my opinion, I I, I would have probably just said, "Oh, okay, you know," and move on. But Looks cool, for, but it doesn't sound good. Right. For for me, it's it's always music first in the show. I would be just as happy right now to see them on a farewell tour in a club or in a theater without makeup, just getting up there and rocking. That I would be totally satisfied with that. I don't I don't need the big show. I'm there mostly for the music. Okay. All right, you're up, Dave. All right, so uh, I'm going to go with Reason to Live off the uh, Crazy Nights album, which I believe came out in 1987. Um, it's one I think most Kiss fans uh, think is their most glam, uh, glammed up album. Um, this was one of the first Kiss songs that I had heard, and uh, it's just a typical, not typical, yeah, it's a, kind of a typical late 80s ballad with... Uh, you got the synthesizer, but then the chorus is just so good. Uh, and I, I don't think they play this very much. And I don't think Paul, there's no way Paul Stanley could, could pull off that chorus with his voice now. Um, but I always thought this was one of the better ballads of, of the 80s that you don't hear a lot of people necessarily talk about. I like that song a lot, actually. I mean, really, I do like that song a lot. Yeah, I, I enjoy that song. I think it's a really good song. And the Crazy Nights album gets crapped on a lot by a lot of KISS fans. I think it's great. I think you just have to take it in the context of the era that it came out. Everybody was doing that kind of stuff then. But between um, Crazy Nights and Hot in the Shade, Paul Stanley was at an absolute peak of his voice in those two albums. And it, and it absolutely shows on Reason to Live. There's no way he could sing that now, is it? Without, no. th- they would have to like really tune stuff down, wouldn't they? No, and it would sound like total crap. Yeah. Hey, have you seen, Steve, do you think 
because you know there have been some rumors. Do you think there's lip syncing being done? Uh, I, I think he may be getting a little bit of help. I don't think uh, like it's I don't, it's not like a Millie Vanilli situation. I think there may be some cues here and there because I, I I honestly think that on Kiss Cruise eight the the Kiss Cruise last year that we went on I think we were the we were the test subjects to see how that was going to go. Okay. Well, I I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they had Stephen Michael from Growing Up Rock on, and Stephen was explaining that he's you know worked in the business for like twenty five years and has you know done a lot of like I think he's done a lot of sound stuff and with bands or whatever, and he was saying that what he's doing he's got a backing track so that on some of those parts he doesn't have to he doesn't have to strain to get it he can kind of back off and let the and let the track kind of do it for himself basically that he's singing but he's singing over that to give it a fuller a fuller sound where he doesn't necessarily have to strain his voice to reach those those different levels right and and a lot of that too is people don't realize how good of a singer that eric singer is and he backs up a lot of paul's vocals it's kind of tough to see on this tour but seeing them on the kiss cruise where they're on a small more intimate stage he sings a lot of songs, even verses, along with Paul through a lot of songs. All right, Steve, what is your uh, what's your what's your next song? Uh, my next pick, speaking of the Hot in the Shade album, that's another album that gets crapped on a lot. And um, I picked the song King of Hearts. It's just a, a, a great, great rock song. And uh, I love I am one of the few people, not maybe not few people, but one of the minority of the Kiss uh, Kiss Army, if you will, that really loves Hot in the Shade because um, that album has more meaning to me than a lot of them because I kind of backed off Kiss in the 80s. I, I still had all the albums, but I wasn't as diehard as I was. But for some reason, Hot in the Shade pretty much brought me back into the fold. And for being a Kiss fan since 1976, the Hot in the Shade tour was the first time that I actually got to see them live. There was always something going on when they played around us and I was never able to go. And I actually saw them twice on the Hot in the Shade tour. And I saw them in Binghamton, uh, New York, and I saw them in Allentown, Pennsylvania for the, for the Hot in the Shade tour. And I always have a special place in my heart for Hot in the Shade. And King of Hearts, is, I think it's just a fantastic song. And it's funny because my one buddy, uh, Rob, that's been on our podcast a bunch of times, was always busting my ass. Oh, I hate Hot in the Shade. We were going to M3 last year. And I said, listen, let's just listen to it. And we listened to the whole album. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, I forgot how good that album was. So I think people just need to give that a little more listen. It, it could be a little more remixed, little guitars, a little more out front. But I, I think it's a really good album. It's a little too long. They could have chopped a couple songs off. That's what I was about to but, say. That's a long album. What's, yeah, the line, what's the lineup on that one, Steve? It's Eric, Eric Carr, Bruce Kulick, uh, Paul and Gene. It's actually the last album that Eric Carr played on. Okay. Yeah, you have to forgive me. Like I said, I don't, I don't know all this stuff, so that's why I'm, I'm going to ask what seems like really dumb questions. No, no, no problem. Again, it, again, it'd be like you doing REM. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chris, what's your next one? Well, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with one that I've always, like. This is kind of weird. I, I actually even, I don't know why, because most of the, most of the stuff on my, on my gym playlist is really heavy i mean there's a ton of slayer um yeah slayer sepulter uh, you know anthrax all this just really heavy stuff but there's some not so heavy songs on there that for whatever reason i just enjoy working out to them and heaven's on fire is one of them i can't explain it 
but I love the song. And like I said, it's on my gym list. It's kind of weird that that one is, but um, kind of have a feeling that maybe that that may be one that some big Kiss fans may not like quite as much as I do. So we're going to find out. But anyway, I've always I just think it's a really really catchy song. And ironically, they did not use any pyro during that song last night. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve, what are your thoughts on Heaven's on Fire? That's Mark um, St. John, right? Yeah, Mark St. John. He- Heaven's on Fire. That's one song I could kind of live without. Definitely need mm. a guitar solo in that song. But that's the song I wish that they replaced on um, on the set list rather than Hide Your Heart. Okay. I told you I felt like this was probably one that I could I could just see this. For whatever reason, it just sounds like something that I think his songs, Kiss, big Kiss fans might not be in love with. But it's not bad. Like the it. background vocals are cool, but it's, stuff. it's I don't I don't hate it. But it and Lick It Up kind of helped them pay the bills in the eighties, didn't it? Oh yeah. Because um, yep. if you know, like if I look at it's on is is it on Animalize or Silent? Animalize. Yeah, so like if I look at Animalize, that's the only song I know, and like the only song I think I know on Asylum is Tears Are Falling. Um, is that right? Tears are falling on asylum. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like those. That's one of the songs I remember. Like when I, you know, when I start finding out about Kiss and people talk about, oh, they took their makeup off. You know, they're not as good. And you know, that's one of the songs that they obviously got a lot of play on MTV. Um, I'm gonna stick with the uh, uh, Crazy Nights album and go with Crazy Crazy Nights, the lead song off that album. This is probably my favorite Kiss song. Um, it has everything that you want, and it has one of the one of the best court rock courses uh, for arena rock that that I think's ever been written. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure there's a reason they don't play this one because uh, I, I doubt Paul could hit those notes because uh, it. I, I went on YouTube and saw some videos where they played it a couple of years ago, and you can tell they really they tune down for it and are, and are singing it in a much lower register. But this is one that, uh, honestly, I don't understand why you don't hear more about, even like amongst people that aren't Kiss fans, just like on uh, played on the radio and stuff, because, man, this has got everything that you want in it from that time frame. Yeah, I, I like that, too, you know. I think it's, it, it, um, it's definitely where, you know, Steve was talking about how they had more of the, the 80s sound and everybody did it you know alice cooper had you know um poison you know ozzy with stuff like um shot in the dark and this was to me this is kiss going with more of that glam sound and it is a catchy chorus it's a it's a good song i'll tell you what and this is one of the songs that uh bruce kulik and his band did on uh the last actually the last two years on the on the kiss cruise so i I could probably see why Kiss did like their run of the mill set on the Kiss Cruise because they had Bruce Kulick and his band doing um, like all '80s Kiss stuff. They did Crazy Nights on uh, like both cruises, and they had Ace doing all the other stuff that that Ace does. And Ace's awesome band. And uh, but like crazy, like people went out of their minds when they started playing Crazy Nights. And and I'll tell you what, you would be surprised how many people like that were. I mean, it's it's there's way more diehard fans on the Kiss Cruise than a casual fan, but like everybody knew all the words to all the 80s songs, even stuff from Carnival of Souls when Bruce Kulick's band played that. People went out of their minds when they played all that stuff. That's... Do you... Do, is there a reason he wasn't invited back when Ace and them left? Was there bad blood? 
I I don't know. Um, I I don't know if they thought that he wouldn't do the makeup because he was more uh, more established, I think, than than Eric Singer was at the time because Eric Singer was only in the band for a couple years when they did that, maybe four or five years. But Bruce has been in there since like the early '80s, and so I don't know if they thought he wouldn't do it or, but I don't I don't know. I wish he would. I wish Tommy Thayer would take a, a guitar lesson from Bruce Kulick and learn how to play some of these solos of the songs of the, from the 80s, but maybe that's why they're not doing any of the songs from the 80s, from hmm. Bruce's era on the tour. Interesting. All right, Steve, what's your third song? All right, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with a tune from Dynasty. It's uh, my only Gene song on the, on the list, and I'm going to go with Charisma. Just a really, uh, I think this song is probably the epitome of Gene Simmons in the, the uh, in the seventies, and even actually even I think it applies today. It's just a, a cool song. It's uh, pretty much a Gene Simmons, "You Love Me, This Is Why You Love Me" kind of song, and I love myself. But it's such a cool song. It's got a great vibe to it. And when Gene Simmons, his band, that is Ace Frehley's band now, did it uh, when Gene was doing a solo uh, tour. He did the song and it was just fantastic. It was a song I don't think Kiss ever played it live. So we do have one, and I'm not familiar with the song, but we do have one Gene Gene song. And uh, David and I were talking. We were talking about that last night. It's like, man, is, are there any Gene songs? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's funny that I mean, it's I get it because Paul Stanley obviously is the the real. He's the one that actually has the, the good voice, but. Um, I don't know. I guess I expected maybe a few more Gene songs once I started seeing how everybody's list was going. This was one that I'd never, uh, if I'd heard it, I didn't pay any attention to it, that you sent out, gave us last week when we were passing all this back and forth. Um, this is this is kind of during the disco era, isn't it? This one? Yeah, you could, you could call it that, but I was listening, actually listened to the Dynasty album today, and I had it cranked up in my headphones. That is a good sounding album. And you could call it disco if you want. I mean, I really don't. There's only a couple things that it maybe have a couple overtones of that. I think it just got kind of lumped in there because it wasn't your average Kiss album at the time. But uh, there's some good stuff on there. The production is fantastic on that album. Yeah, um, I like the song. It, it was it was a it was a pleasant surprise. And yeah, I think it's going to be the only Gene song we're going to have on here. Um, Chris, what is your what is your next song? You know, I'm going to go with one that, um, you know, once the makeup came back on and they did uh, did the full-on reunion, um, I like the song Psycho Circus. I just, uh, I love, I love the way that that opening, that opening lyric comes in. Uh, I just have, think it has the coolest sound, and, just the coolest sound to it. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite Kiss songs, and... It, that's another one that it seems like, and this is where Steve will come in. It seems like fans are very happy with that album. Um, I, I think I think a lot of Kiss fans are split on that because uh, that was Kiss has been known to kind of make up their own history as to what they want people to perceive, and you know this was the big reunion album, but the four of them only play on one song together on that whole album. Oh, and, okay. um, but this song, and, and I think it's, 
actually, I like about half of the album. I love half of the album, and there's some songs on there that I think are like, like really stupid. But um, it is a great, great opening song for. I mean, if they open up the the show with this song, it would be fantastic. Also, and um, I think it's great. That's so you what do I like the song then. What's that? So you do like this song? Then. Oh yeah, I, I love this song. I think it's great. Okay. Yeah, I think it's got opening song written all over it, um, for sure. Um, and I remember when that album came out. Everybody was very, very hyped up about that. But there's not a ton of Ace playing on it, is it? No, Ace Ace plays on uh, Into the Void, and I, I think Psycho Circus is the song that they all play on. Don't quote me on that, but there's only one a song on there and there's one quotation Peter song that he sings that Paul wrote. But, um, Tommy Thayer plays a ton of stuff on psycho circus. So is, I didn't know that is Peter Chris, just not a good musician because he didn't, I mean, you know, it's all this talk that he can't, you know, he's not good live. And then, um, on a even on those albums before he got dismissed, he wasn't necessarily playing the drums on them. Was he? No, no. Um, back in the seventies, when he he didn't play, he played on one song on Dynasty, which was "Dirty Living," which I'm not even sure if he even played on that. He, he sang on it, and he didn't play anything on Unmasked. Um, Anton Fig played uh, drums on both of those albums. So I don't know if he just like if if you there's a, a video out from Cobo Hall in 1975 or 76. If you watch that, Peter Chris totally kicks ass playing drums on that concert and if you watch just a year later you could see there's a decline i don't know if you want to call it in his skills or his chops or if it's just the the substance abuse that was kicking in but um there was a definite decline in in skill there uh, in my opinion in my opinion you know people will probably want to you know chase me with pitchforks and torches after saying this stuff but um you know in my mind i think he just deteriorated and he thought that since he had the song Beth and that was their best known, you know, best selling song or whatever at the time that he really had an ego about it and wanted to do things his way. And I think he just kind of pushed himself out of the band. And, uh, but like, even when they played the reunion tour, um, Tommy Thayer had to teach him his drum parts and they have, uh, the, the drums. So the mics turned up so much on the drums on the reunion tour and the, the farewell tour uh, from Psycho Circus that uh, one show he didn't play and they had his drum tech play the show and when they did a sound check and they had everything set the way Peter did, the guy hit the drum so hard, it was so loud that they had to jack everything back down because that's how soft Peter was hitting the drums. Wow. But you know, drummers do a lot of them. I guess that is kind of, like guitarists, you don't really have to worry about things like diminishing skill, but Look at Sabbath, you know, if Bill Ward, they claim anyway, and I, I know there's probably more to it, it's, you know, two words, Sharon Osbourne, but um, mm -hmm. they claim anyway that his skills, you know, weren't up to par. And it seems like that's happened many, many times with drummers where they don't, they, that skill does deteriorate some. Well, you got to figure too, here's a, here's, a, here's a position on stage where, number one, you're sitting all the time, but you're literally using all four of your limbs and your whole body. You know, if you're playing guitar, you could pretty much just stand and play yeah. with your, your arms and fingers through a whole show. But a, a drummer, that's a, a very physically demanding job. That's why Neil Peart is 
like kind of calling it quits because his his body's just shot from all the you know all the years. And believe me, Peter Chris is no Neil Peart. All right, I know what I know what you're I know what you're saying. All right, so I'll I'm going to go with one of my favorite songs from the '70s era, and that is "Come On and Love Me." And I did not know this until I was listening to the uh, Kiss Army Radio on Sirius. They had an interview, and Paul Stanley said that the opening a uh, lo- couple of lines to "Come On and Love Me" are his favorite lyrics he's ever written for Kiss. Um, just a fun song that uh, um, I think kind of epitomizes the, those first four or five records. Uh, to, at least in my mind, of the 70s, and I was really hoping we would get to hear it last night, but we didn't. That's one of my favorites as well. That's on my list, so I'll go ahead and just speak to that. That also is my my um, first time hearing that was, again, going back to that live cassette, and that was my favorite song on the album. Yeah, she's a dancer, she's a romancer, I'm a Capricorn, and she's a cancer. Yeah, that was. Did you hear that interview, Steve? Where he said yeah. that's his favorite. Yep. That's his yeah, favorite. I've been. Lyric. I've kind of binging on the uh, Sirius XM Kiss channel. I hope they. Was I'm sure they're probably going to take it off anytime soon now, but um, I, I've been enjoying it. Although, I've been hearing a lot, a lot. A lot of the songs that I hate by Kiss, I hear all the time on there. And then she kissed me. I hate that. They play that all the time. Any way you want it, I hate that. They play it all the time. And uh, one one song that I, I told Dylan I wouldn't pick as my favorites, but it's actually my actual favorite Kiss song. It's Got Love for Sale that's on Love Gun. And um, I didn't hear them play that on Sirius at all. They were playing a crappy song. I got out, went to the donut shop, came back in, Got Love for Sale. I was just getting over with. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it since. <laughs> what album is Come On and Love Me off of, Steve? That's off of Dress, Dress to Kill. And that was the second one, right? That's the third album. Third album, okay. Yep. The, the second one was uh, Hotter Than Hell, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, see, I do know something. All right, uh, Chris, I mean, uh, Steve, we're rolling around to you again. Okay. Uh, looks like my last pick here, and, and it's it's insane that uh, we have three songs from Crazy Nights on this one, and uh, I, I picked Turn On The Night, second last song on the album, which I thought should probably should have been the last song on the album, just ended on such a high note. And... Um, absolutely fell in love with this song i uh wasn't extremely crazy about the keyboard sound in it but when bruce kulik's band did this on kiss cruise 7 like it it brought tears to my eyes to hear that song played how it should be played with just guitars drums vocals bass and uh todd kearns sang the song and it was just absolutely blew my mind and I just I have a whole new outlook on that song now since I saw them do it live and it, it wasn't even Kiss doing it but you know what it's just a, it's a great song I love the 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 chorus and it just has that kind of awe factor for me that just kind of catches my breath the way that it that it that it's sung it's fantastic. All right, so I I'd never heard of this song, and I will have to say that of like almost any song that somebody has come on here and picked for a show that I'd never heard of. This may be the one that has surprised me the most. When I when I listen to it, I think to my head, I think to myself, how is this not like in the background of like the Karate Kid or Teen Wolf or something? It has everything that's great, I think, about the 80s in it. And uh, like I said, I had never heard it. And the song just brings a smile to my face whenever I listen to it. And I've incorporated it into some of my non-kiss listening so uh i appreciate you bringing that to my attention because i never would have gone that deep into that album to, to find that glad you liked it um just 
great it's a great 80s song man I, I don't know what else to say other than it's just a lot of fun it almost at times reminds me of uh i'm gonna i know i'm gonna get hate mail for this but y and t summertime girls um that's a good song yeah i, I like that I hear, but i hear people you know poop on it all the time uh y and t fans but um anyway um i like it chris did you listen to it no i didn't I'm now, but now I'm now I'm interested, so I will go back and listen to it. Yeah, all right. When you when you listen to it, Chris, just envision it being like a party a party scene in like Teen Wolf or The Karate Kid or something like that, and you're like, oh, right. that would have been that would have been uh, been a great song for that. All right, Chris, what's your next one? Last one, because we did we had a shared one you and I did, but I, I'm going to go with um, Love Gun. Um, did you have that on yours, David? Uh-uh. I couldn't remember. Um, I don't know. There, there's something about that song that just to me almost has kind of that definitive kiss, you know, heyday sound. Um, I don't have much to say. Uh, just to me, like I said, that song just sounds like kiss. Steve, what are your thoughts right, on somebody. Love <laughs> Excellent song. Uh, probably one of the quintessential Paul Stanley songs out there. And uh, great song, great song live. And Love Gun is my favorite Kiss album. And it's, uh, I love the sound of that album. And it's just fantastic. And that's one, an album that is like just so close to being perfect. They have um, Then She Kissed Me at the end is, is absolutely horrible. It's a, <laughs> if they just had nine songs on that album and ended with um, Plaster Caster, I would have been a, a happy person. But um, Love Gun is a, a great song. And, uh, it doesn't really have a guitar solo in it, which is kind of weird for me to really like a song that, that doesn't because I, I love a good guitar solo. But there's like an underlying guitar melody uh, that Ace plays um, when they're, they're singing the back, singing Love Gun, going out of the song. And just listen to that. That guitar work is fantastic at the end of that song. But um, just a, a, a great pick. And that, that's one that you'll never see Kiss not do in a show. That's what I was about to say. That's one of the ones they have to play. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, I'm actually feeling pretty good that my songs weren't like totally shit on, you know. Um, my greatest hits pick. <laughs> oh man! All right, so I'm gonna go with Cold Gin. Um, song That's that, a Gene song. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It is. I'm, I forgot, but Ace wrote it, right? Yes. And then Gene sang it, and then uh, latter years didn't Ace would he when he sing it in concert or was it always Gene? Ace, um, Gene, there's one show that I saw, uh, like a, a video out there, where Gene sings the first verse, and then Ace sings the second verse. And I think that that's how that they, once Ace started to sing, once uh, he got that out of his system that he couldn't sing, and now I think he sings too much, personally. But um, I, I think they, they shared the vocal on that once Ace started to uh, you know, come into his own vocally. Just a fun song. Um that that I really like. Uh I think it's one of their better um seventy songs and they that's one they pretty much have to play live too, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, pretty much. And um definitely anyone out there like I think the Kiss Alive version is like the, the version out there that you really need to listen to. The uh one from the first Kiss album. It's good, but it's a it's a little slower and um I prefer the Alive version better. Steve, do you have any more or do we go through your five? Uh, we're we're through my five. I could give you about a hundred more if you'd like. But um, <laughs> well, I, and I think Chris, we're done with you too, right? 
We are. All right. Well, I just had one more, um, and that shouted out loud. Um, to me, uh, everything that's great about Kiss, uh, big course, singing about partying and uh, going to concerts, and uh, one that uh, I definitely stood up and uh, sang along to last night. And uh, I love the part where Gene kicks in in, in in the verses and singing. That's my favorite part of the song. Another one that I think they probably have to play pretty much every time. Yeah, definitely another song that they uh, they have to bust out. And I I really like that, that Gene and Paul have a lead vocal on that. And there's a song called "Let Me Know" on the first Kiss album that um, another song where where Gene and Paul uh, each sing a verse. And uh, shout out loud is just great. The the chorus gets a little tedious to me after a while, um, but I love the the verses in the song. It, it's just a it it pretty much sums up the in my in my book the the kiss attitude. Just enjoy life, get out there, shout it out loud, party it up. All right, I'm a little bit surprised that that was that's one that you did. I, I felt like this was going to be one that you weren't a big fan of. I don't know why. I guess it's to me it's. I don't know. I guess because it's almost um, almost look at it in the same vein as like a you know rock and roll all night. Well, I will take shout out loud over rock and roll all night any day. <laughs> yeah, no, and I will too. Don't get me wrong, because I'm just not really a big fan of rock and roll all night. And yeah, I do. I, would I, do, I wish they would do that first to get it out of the way. Yeah, I at least like you know shout it out loud, but rock and roll all night. I'm just, just I'm not really a fan. And maybe it's just because it's overplayed. You know, it's way over. But it, maybe that maybe that's why. I'd say it's probably the song Kiss song you're going to hear the most. Yeah, no doubt. And for for a long time, it seemed like anytime they made any appearance anywhere, that's what they played. Um, yep. Regardless of what they were doing or promoting. All right, Steve, I've got a, two or three really quick questions for you. Sure. Uh, just kind of what pops into your head. Your favorite Kiss tour. Hot in the shade. Favorite Kiss guitar player. Bruce Kulick. Least favorite member of KISS. Uh, right now I'm gonna have to say uh Vinnie Vincent. Alright, is alright, this is a yes or no question. Is Vinnie Vincent overrated? Yes. You got any for him, Craig? Yeah, um I do. I got one. Is this the end? No. I agree. I think they will. Uh, I, I think it's pretty much the end as far as like a, a, a big tour. I think you'll see like once it's over, over when they say it's over, you'll see them play like uh, maybe some shows uh, like festivals and stuff. And, you know, maybe a, a Super Bowl thing or something like that. It's uh, until I think Gene or Paul are either in the nursing home or dead. It's still going to continue in some way, shape or form. Well, it, I agree, and I, I, I get so tired of the um, the whole the whole retiring thing and all. I mean, even even like Motley Crue, they're starting to people are starting to say that they're going to find loopholes. You know, yeah, like they said yeah. oh, oh, we're, we never said we were going to do a tour again. Yeah. Well, they signed you a know, contract you know. to sue themselves because they breached it. Yeah, so, yeah. But they but they're like saying we, we never said we were going to tour again. So right. So that means right. do they go and do like a Vegas residency or do they do things mm-hmm. like that? You know. Yep. Because I don't, I mean, I said when the crew said they were done, I said, that's BS, it, they're not, yep. and they already have recorded four new songs, and I think you'll see them play, play again. I, I do not disagree at all. Well, Chris, uh, 
Steve, you know, Eddie Trunk keeps saying that, that Kiss is going to go on without Gene and Paul. Do, do you, is that something that even remotely interests you? It's it's somewhat interesting to me. I, I would absolutely check it out just to see it. Um, I, I honestly cannot picture Kiss without uh, Paul Stanley. I could, you know, vocally, you know, whatever's going on is going on. But he's he's the guy for me. He is the guy. Um, Gene, I, and I and I and Gene is a super. You know, no matter what anyone says, uh, when I met Gene, I did the Gene Simmons Vault experience. Super nice guy. Took his time, talked to us, me and my buddy, and everything. Signed all my stuff. And uh, the very first thing I that happened when I met Gene Simmons was he thanked me. For, I would too, because that's two thousand dollars. Yeah, well, I mean, for for everything, yeah. And that's why I, I always tell my wife. I said, for as much money as I spent on Kiss over the years, they should be paying to meet me. Right, sending you Christmas cards. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I I would rather see um, Kiss without Gene than Paul, because Paul, I think he he's the heart of the band. Well, since you brought up that vault experience, are the songs on there any good? There's a ton of good stuff on there. What about There's the stuff that Eddie Van Halen plays on? Amazing. Amazing. The uh the verse there's uh Got Love for Sale and Christine Sixteen are the two songs I think that are with the Van Halen brothers. And the version of Got Love for Sale, the guitar solo in that is unbelievable. Ace could never, ever in a million years play that guitar solo. Hmm. They were the first. They were the first two songs that I that I went to when I, when I got the discs out of the thing. It's like I think they're on like the third disc, and they, I I went right to them just to just to hear them. So do you? And I wasn't so disappointed. Do you think that whole thing was worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I've heard from pretty much everybody. Absolutely. As as far as it goes, how they've been going lately, I would say no, because there's so many more restrictions on it, and like now you can get like. I think one or two things signed per person. Like he signed and like, he doesn't even open the vault with the people now. Um, back when, when I did it, actually I did it, um, a year ago last week. And, um, like he opens up the vaults with you. He takes out all the stuff. He explains what the stuff is in the vault. He, he signs your vault, but now he doesn't do any of that. So it's pretty much a homogenized version of it. And he signed like a bunch of albums for me and stuff. He signed my buddies, all my buddy stuff that came with me. But now you get like maybe one or two things signed per person, and that's it. And it's a very limited thing. So um, I think that anybody that did it early, like myself and a bunch of other uh, of us, really got the the good deal. And we didn't have any guests that ours either. And I still thought it was totally. Good. And but like as far as they are now, they, a lot of them have been canceled. And there's people that have been trying to go to a bunch of different ones, and they've been canceling them all because I don't think they're getting the people now because they realize that you're not getting the experience like on the other vault experiences. How many people do you think bought that $50,000 package? Um, I, know, I know one guy. I know at least one guy did because Gene brought Ace with him to his house. But I think that's the only one I could think of. So, if you're a Kiss fan and Gene and Ace show up at your door, you pretty much faint, don't you? Uh, uh, I would. It would definitely catch my breath. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Steve, what else do you guys have coming up on Potter Than Hell? Um, let me think. We just did a, another uh, uh, version about, uh, sorry, Chris, about vinyl last week. Uh, we did our top uh, top five vinyl finds of 2018. We did that with uh, Mark Anthony Kay and Ken Keenan from the Kiss FAQ podcast. And um, we have some, some interesting things coming up, some uh, kind of a couple things that we that we haven't that we haven't done before i don't want to really give anything away but there's uh there's some some cool stuff coming up we got some more motorhead some stuff coming up some iron maiden stuff judas priest uh a couple more kiss episodes we have in the hopper and um we we kind of like doing the ones where uh we have to kind of go outside of the box of what we what we're used to and we have a couple of them coming up too so it's going to be interesting oh that'd be cool it's always fun to hear bc's thoughts on things Mm. <laughs> he, you have no idea. <laughs> he he is he is great, man. He's one of my favorite people that I, that I've met through all of this. He's just great. He he did a really good job on our Megadeth episode. He did. I told him I was surprised he had so many kind of you know as much as you can consider a Megadeth song mainstream kind of mainstream picks for him. But he said he didn't want to he didn't want to go crazy with uh, you know. But see, really I think I think Megadeth is one of those bands that, for the most part, have picked the right songs to be the singles. Oh, um, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I think they do a good job of it. Whereas, like Kiss, like that "Turn on the Night" that should have been the lead single. Mm-hmm. You know, um, absolutely. And did they re- even release that as a single? I think so. And there's a video for it because. Um, I want to say uh, Peter Cessary that does the I Love It Loudcast. He helped. He was in the in on the production f- somehow for that video. I uh, I believe it's Turn On the Night, and it's a it's a great song. I I just think that that came out at such an oversaturated time that everybody was doing stuff like that, and I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle. I could see how that happened. Chris, you got anything else to add? No, I don't. Um, I think that's it for me. I think Chris and I are probably going to spend the rest of the afternoon uh, resting up from uh, a long night of kiss. Uh, Steve, uh, you're you're welcome on here anytime you want to. Uh, any any topic you want to do, you're always welcome. Um, we love having you on our podcast. We love having you as a friend. Uh, we just got the dates for the Rock and Pod Expo, and so I'm sure we'll be seeing you then. Uh, why don't you tell everybody how they can find your podcast and uh, all your social media platforms? Yeah, you can pretty much find us uh, where you're listening to uh, these awesome guys at Digital, and and I totally agree with uh, with Chris. Um, or, I mean, David. I'm sorry that um, I, I I feel privileged that um, that I'm, I'm friends with you guys, and you guys were, you know, we were kind of the outsider guys at the first Rock and Pod Expo. And we kind of just kind of started talking and stuff like that, and um, you know. You really don't think, and Sonny Pooney and I had a conversation about this too, that you really wouldn't think at this age in your life that you would have so many new good friends. And and I consider you guys great friends. I mean, you know, uh, Dylan went to the uh, Alkaline Trio show with, with uh, Chris there, and we went to Tora Tour with you guys, which, by the way, the new album is awesome. And um, I totally got off track here, but... Um, you know, I appreciate your guys' friendship, and I, I love being on your podcast. And you guys are welcome on ours, and um, I'm working on something too to get you guys back on too. 
And um, you can find the Potter Than Hell podcast on pretty much any of the uh, social media things. We're on iTunes. We're on YouTube. We have a Twitter account, uh, Facebook. And uh, we will be up on Spotify very soon, I believe, um, if uh, if Dylan follows my directions, which, <laughs> you know, we'll see. And, but, and uh, I, I, go ahead, Chris. I, I did it following him. I did have one thing where he, I would say that yeah, I, I feel the same. And I think that it, it's, it's weird. I was, just, I was just telling somebody recently that I think about it and I can think of maybe one person of, of what I consider my best, my five or six best friends. I can probably think of maybe one person that, that maybe where music didn't bring us together. It's kind of oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. People don't understand that. People that aren't into music, they don't understand it. But it's weird that your best friends, you connect through music. But that's that's the life of a music total music geek. I mean, that's what happens to us. Absolutely. And even some of the guys that I've got to know through my job in the fire department, um, you know, you just get talking, and and I find out like they're rockers too. I'm like, and the one guy's like, "Look at I got an Iron Maiden tattoo on my leg." I'm like, holy crap, you know? <laughs> and it's just amazing that that stuff happens like that. And you know, music is the thing that you know it's it's a great refuge for people. It's a uh, you know it it it's the one thing that no matter what goes on, it's there when you need it. Well, for it's whatever a, reason, it, it can be an opiate for the masses. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean it. it, it I mean. It makes the the happy days even happier and therapeutic when you need when you yeah just you're kind of at a low point. Absolutely. You know, it's just I I can't I, I've got I've got a friend who literally cannot listen to music. It's like all just I, I don't know what the disorder's called, but there's some kind of music where it's just it's all he hears music and it's all just a jumbled mess. Really, the way his ears work. Yeah, I mean I, I, I feel bad for him. Color, but I, yeah, so I, I mean. It's, I guess it's kind of like being colorblind in a way that he just can't. So it's almost like he doesn't know quite what he's missing. It's like, man, God, I feel sorry for this oh. guy. Yeah, that I would be not the, experience what we do. I can't imagine that would be awful. I mean, everything's normal. Everything's normal about the guy, but he just music. He can't. He, he can't do it. He can't. I mean, and it's. Oh, I remember one time we were in a bar having the music was really loud in there, and uh, I was like, man, it's got to be kind of driving you crazy. Yeah, a little bit. Mm. Hey. Just think of the money he saved over the years, though. That's a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> I know. I know. I bet my wife wishes I could come down with a, a case of that. Uh, it seems like every day, every other day there for a while, the the Amazon was, was dropping off a new vinyl uh, at my uh, front door when I got my turntable. Hey, uh, guys, really fun episode. Good times. Steve, uh, always good to talk to you. Always good to have you on. Uh, everybody, uh, I hope you have a good week and, uh, go crank some kiss this week. Maybe we gave you some songs to listen to. Uh, Chris and I'll be back with you soon with another episode. Take care, everybody.